Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. It's brought to you by Fear of Fire coach. And today's guest is somebody I've been in touch with for years and years and years. Is Michael Common. Welcome. I'm delighted that we get a chance to talk at last properly on I know. the podcast. Try stop an Irishman talking now and you're going to have some fun. <laughs> yeah, we've got my Zoom cuts off at four hours. Is that is that okay? Yeah, I do. we make 3.55. We should be fine. <laughs> so, Michael, t- tell us a little bit about your background and people may have come across you because you've obviously been quite prolific in the fear of flying world anyway. But just mm-hmm. for those that haven't. Or maybe they have. Just give us a bit of a sort of background. Sure. Um, the Fly Fearless story goes all the way back to 2006 when I uh, was aware of the whole anxiety of, of, of people around flying specifically. So to give you a little bit of my flying background, I'm, I was a baby pilot. I started flying at 16 before I even had a driving license. Cool. And so I adore flying. I, I grew up in an airline family originally. And so I, I was getting my ID90 discounts from the age of three onwards. So uh, <laughs> we, were, we were airport brats, basically, uh, and flew the world uh, and absolutely adored aviation. And then when I got the opportunity to fly myself again, I was constantly talking about how much I enjoyed it. Mm. But as often these things have, the, uh, the possibility of me to following that down a professional route just didn't happen. You know, this is free Ryanair uh, where there was only one airline in the country recruiting. And so if you didn't get in there, you didn't get a career or a job. So I followed um, mom and dad's uh, hearty advice to go and get a, a proper bit of paper that would keep me going. Mm. And that got me into the whole psychology of uh, how we react. More organizational psychology, by the way, than mm. therapy. Mm. My area of specialty is is emotional intelligence. And around the houses with it anyway, uh, and to keep my interest in it, I qualified as a CRMT or a crew resource management trainer. And so okay. anybody in aviation yeah. will know that that's people who look at the human factors around aviation. And weirdly enough, on that course, I came across two cabin crew who had developed an anxiety about flying. And that was a big deal for them to actually admit it. Uh, and yeah. I decided to look into this in a little bit more detail. Because at the time, the, the the way you dealt with the fear of flying, you know, there were several ways. There was obviously being drugged or there was uh, going to a therapist for a lot of sessions. And there was a course as well that would come to Ireland every now and then where you would uh, do a one day program. Mm-hmm. Lots of pilots would tell you that you were being silly and that airplanes were fine. And then they'd take you out onto an airplane, fly around for 45 minutes and tell you you were sorted. And I thought, oh, I don't, th- there has to be a better way of doing this. So. It was literally uh, one of those bits of serendipity. Mm. My day job, when I'm, by the way, not involved in, in, in fear of flying, is I lecture in various different universities on leadership. And I, at the time, was also doing it for some of the big banks. Now, here's your economics history. In 2008, in June, we had a bit of a financial crisis and I lost all of those contracts. Literally everything disappeared. Yes, and I thought it was a dire time. And I remember sitting at home and saying, OK, if I was advising somebody else what to do, you know, you and I know about resilience and we know about bounce back and all of that kind of stuff. So what would I do? And I thought, oh, well, hang on a minute. You know, maybe there's something else that people need. I'm, I'm always a great believer that there's business in either taking away pain for people or giving people some kind of gain. And in a recession, mm-hmm. nobody wanted gain. So I said, okay, what are people painful about? Picked up the weekend newspaper and saw an ad for a a UK airline coming to Dublin to run a fear of flying course. And I said, right, let's do some import substitution here. We should have an Irish version of this. There had been one for years run by a husband and wife. That's right. With Aer Lingus. And and they had retired at that particular point. And there wasn't one actually uh, in, in, in existence. And I took a ball hop, rang a simulator company who I had spoken to three years previously, by the way, when I was still telling with this idea. And I said, remember me? I was wondering if I could hire your your 737 simulator. And you said no the last time. And they said, well, you will say yes this time. And that was in July of 2019. And our four, first course ran in September of, of uh, sorry, 2009. Where am I going? Yes. Yeah, jumped 10 years. Yeah, 2009. 2009. <laughs> we, we sat down and planned it. 
in 2009 and ran the first course in in September of that year. And it just, you know, it was amazing the response we, we got to mm-hmm. it. Um, we were very lucky. We were trying to, you know, take a fresh approach to it. Now, there's nothing wrong with people seeking out assistance with hypnosis. If that's what you want to do, there's nothing wrong with NLP or tapping or hugging yourself or any of the variety of different interventions that are in there. I am not for a moment being sarcastic about them. But one of the interesting things about a fear of flying, at least that we found, and and I know I'd love to hear your perspective on it too, is that actually it's the the person is fully aware at a logical level that everything's fine. And 99% of the people that we meet in our programs have actually flown happily for years. So there's two bits of information. Very rare to have somebody who's never flown. Like, what are you afraid of if you've never done it? But more likely, you're going to find somebody who's flown for years and then the trust was broken. And, and that's the principle that we use. Oh, nice. So yeah. at somewhere in, uh, and you know, in psychology, we talk about uh, physical safety and psychological safety. There are two concepts in psychology. So physical safety is a basic deal that you have with the people around you. You know, we have it from our police force. They keep us physically safe. We have it from, uh, you know, when we go to a cinema, we have it that, you know, that there are emergency exits. There's a physical contract that mm. keeps us physically safe. Mm. And then there's a psychological contract, which is human beings have a requirement for certainty that very few other animals have. You know, we are always looking for certainty. And it's like, what a waste of time that is. But anyway, that, that I think comes with wisdom. And so the approach that we take is we say, right, you've been on an airplane and you've been in a state where four conditions have been present. So number one, you were in, in a relaxed state. Typically, the person is snoozing, relaxing, might even be sleeping, might be reading a book. Number two, you get a strong stimulus or input. Something happens. Turbulence, top of the list, a loud noise, a bang, something happens. So there's a a stimulus to you at a very basic level. And, And the amygdala, that little tiny part of our brain, responds. Then that's followed by a powerful suggestion from ourselves or from somebody else. And at that point, the fear of flying has locked in. And when you talked to people, you know, we've done, well, I suppose we've had three and a half thousand people through our program now at this stage mm. in the time we've done it. I always ask this question and I always talk to people and they say, yeah, you, you're in my head. I was coming back from the Canaries I was all relaxed. Then the uh, seatbelt sign went on and there was a drop. We dropped a thousand feet. You know, we don't. But anyway, and then somebody behind me screamed. And at that point, I didn't want to ever fly again. And so we now have the formula. So once you have the formula of where it comes in, you have an activating event to, you know, you have a belief that it goes with that activating event and the consequence. You think I've just spelled out ABC there, don't you? And that activating belief, that consequence then is where we find. Now, so what you need if you are going to fix this, and I never use the word cure because people who have an anxiety about flying are neither mad, bad, nor sad. It's not an illness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't require a medical intervention unless it's extreme. And, and, you know, you and I know you will occasionally see people who really shouldn't be on a fear of flying program. They should be talking to a properly yes. engaged yes. therapist who will work with them through general anxiety. But for the the average individual, two in five of us hate flying. You know, that, that they're the statistics mm. that we have, certainly. Mm. That's how you get it. Now, there's one other little one I'll put in on top of that model for you. And that's hungry, angry, lonely, tired and vulnerable. OK, so that's the first one was how you can sometimes becoming anxious. The second one is you fly hungry, angry, lonely, tired or vulnerable. That's where we get all our fear of flying people from hen and stag parties. <laughs> you fly back from your hen party with uh, a hangover. Your body feels vulnerable. There's again an activating event and the, the anxiety locks in. People who have come home for a, fa- a family bereavement or funeral, people who have broken up in a relationship, people who are traveling to a new job. People who are flying at six o'clock in the morning got up at half past two and they're exhausted or people who've only eaten at the airport, Toblerone, you know, and nothing else. 
there's where you get your HALTV. And that again will give you or give you a sort of an opportunity to develop the anxiety. How does that sit with you? Does that sound some similar to something you would come across? Yes, there's certain elements there I, I would strongly agree with. What I like about what you just laid out there is it's there's a nice structure to it. Mm. And I know when people are seeking help, they want people who know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know what you're talking about, Michael. Mm-hmm. So this that comes across in yeah. spades, you know. So that's yeah. well so straight away people listening now will be thinking I want to find out where this guy working. But so keep going. So this is good stuff. Yeah, well, you know, I, I also believe, by the way, in no secrets. I'll share everything with anybody because anybody uh, who tries to to replicate what we're doing, they'll have everything except me and my team uh, because we have a fantastic team. And I'm sure you have too, who help us out, everything from pilots to senior cabin crew, etc. Uh, and they spend most of the time just keeping apologizing for my weird sense of humor that I sometimes have to uh, apologize for myself because I intend during our session when we run it, people are laughing for most of the day. Mm-hmm. We've no drama. We have one rule at the beginning of the day. When we stand up, we say you are not allowed to frighten people more than they already are. Because when we didn't do that in the beginning, we'd find people in little huddles you know, during the coffee break going, oh, yeah, we were coming from Malaga and there was lightning and they go lightning. I never thought about lightning. Oh, my God. And they had a whole new thing to be anxious about. So we we, we have a firm grip on the day. Yes. Uh, which sometimes backfires on me, but no, about three times in 13 years. But for the most part, yeah, you're in safe hands for the day. And I always say to people, look, we're not going to hit you over the head. We're not going to hypnotize you. We're not going to drug you. You have to do some homework if you do our course. And if it doesn't work for you, you're going to have to take a little bit of responsibility for it because we sometimes will find somebody who's tried Reiki, Shiatsu, Rescue Remedy. They've done 15 different things and you're going to go, yeah, but hang on, why have you done all of those things? And the little clue in that one there is I always check if how would your life change if you got over your fear of flying? And sometimes we meet people who would actually then realize I won't be treated specially anymore. I won't have people fussing over me. I won't have people going out of there. You know, like we, I'm sure you've come across stories of we have a, we had some people on our program recently and the, the wife and children in the family fly down and the partner goes ahead a week earlier by bus all the way to Spain from Ireland through, you know, through the land bridge. I <laughs> I, I have actually said it to him, so I'm not I'm not breaking a confidence here. I don't think he actually wanted to change that. I think he was quite happy. He got his little week to himself. Yeah, so, for goodness sake, don't fix me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally that one. Or I love the one at the beginning saying, well, you know, we, we always say, well, we had an audit done by one of the universities and they came back and said, yeah, you've a 92% success rate. And, uh, you know, based on, on the process, we uh, we define success, by the way, which is mm. a reduction of anxiety down to about 20 percent. I don't think mm. anyone gets rid of it altogether. If, if you mm. do, fantastic. But, you know, down to 20 percent is about as anxious as I am when I fly, <laughs> because I'm not again, I'm worried about anything other than people kicking the back of my seat, swinging out of the back of my seat yes. when they stand up or my bag won't make it. So I think we're all a bit anxious when we fly. But the when I say that at the beginning of the course, you know, 92%, somebody will put their hand up and go, oh, I'm one of the 8%. Yes, of course. You're not going to be able to fix me. And I go, <laughs> then you're absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and maybe it's a bit, just getting a bit long of the tooth on that one. But, you know, I love working with the people that we work with. And I love the, the, the emails we get back. I'm sure you get the same, you know, just arrived in Australia, life changing. My uh, partner hates you because my credit card is in meltdown with all the extra flights I'm doing. You know, those are the kind of things. And we've had lovely stories of an 82 year old man who got to see his child in Australia, his grandchild, should I say, his child, his grandchild in Australia. (laughs) And you think, yeah, that's why we do it. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. It is one of those things. I remember my business partner at the time, was talking and he said, oh, I, I think EasterJet are going to start a course. Mm. He said, but they, they won't be able to sustain it with those prices and stuff. They, they'll probably lose interest. And I said to him, you're wrong. I said, because mm. they'll do it once. They'll realise how rewarding it is. And they'll keep doing it. Because yeah. once you've done it, you just... You just want to keep helping people. It's so addictive. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we have had, had a bit of competition in the meantime, and I have to say I love it because it keeps us on point. Um, it allowed us to become a little bit more expensive, 
which is, you know, we're not. I still think, you know, our prices haven't changed in the in the last 10 years when you think about it. Mm. But it just, uh, you know, don't don't I always say this to people in business. Don't worry about it. You know, you you will survive on on the quality of what you do. Uh, and if you're if you're down to the shekels and the, the you know, the, the, the dimes and, and, and dollars of, of of cutting, a you know, undercutting us by one euro, good. You're fine. Go on. You're grand. Uh, we, we're fully subscribed on our programs for three months in advance. And uh, so tell us, tell us about the programs because obviously you're in Ireland, but yep. also we have a, we've got an update. I don't know if you're allowed to share it. But... Oh yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you about the updates as well in a moment. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So tell us how your programs run, fact... how many people, what sort of stuff you do. Okay, so yeah, our program runs uh, once a month on a Saturday. Uh, mm-hmm. We uh, have an association with a simulator center, flight simulator center at Dublin Airport, SimTech Aviation. They've been with us from the very beginning. They were the company that originally said no and then said, oh, yeah, we're delighted to have you. And I also instruct for them as well. So there's a good relationship there now. And they've been really supportive of us. So we we run from 10 o'clock to four. We have at the moment a maximum of 12 people per course. Yes, not very, very intimate. Not right. 158, you know, yeah, like, you know right. the, the okay. big ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm we, sorry. <laughs> we used to always slag you off for that because all that, oh, wow, 158. But yeah, probably had a lot of people helping as well. So, so that's yes, the way we, it worked. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have our 12. Now, we, we used to uh, invite partners on the program, but we ran into a space problem um, because it, it was actually COVID and post-COVID and this, the simulator companies still have a requirement for social distancing mm. because their entire business would close down if of any course. of their students um, yes. were, were, were infected. So we're, we're happy with that one. So there's 12 people on the program. And then a colleague of mine, Carl, who is a an Airbus A320, 321neo pilot, does the sim session. I sometimes fly the sim as well, but for the most part, uh, Carl does that. And we, you know, we, we take people in for the course of the day. Uh, at the beginning, it's really important how we settle everybody in. Everybody gets an opportunity to say why they're there. I've already spoken with most of the participants before they arrive on the day. Yes. Uh, so so that, that again, you can do that with the, the, the smaller numbers. You can see mm. where, where you're going with it. And then, you know, without sort of the, the day itself, but I mean, the morning part of it is why me, we call it. So why would you find yourself here in the first place when everybody else is, you know, at, at home watching the rugby and you're here in a, in, in a, in a room for the day. Then we do the myths of aviation and we get everybody in the room to do a list for us of all the myths they've heard. Oh, the low cost airlines don't maintain their airplanes and pilots are exhausted. And, you know, every one of those yeah. myths are put yeah. up there. Yeah. And then yeah. we have a slide which we put up, which is a very simple one, which is how do you know and where do you know it from? Because the principle that we reintroduce to everybody is reality testing, which is, a again, a, mm. it's a form of therapy, but it's also a psychological principle. And I will make each individual who puts forward a myth find the source and prove it. Now, it takes a little bit of time. But yes. what I have to do is I have to erode the absolute confidence they've given to barroom professionals. Yes. Because they're out there. And, oh, oh yes. heavens, are they on YouTube? And are yeah. they on the internet? Yeah. Um, I was even on this evening just flicking through somebody's Facebook page to have a look and see. And there was some guy, you know, pontificating about, uh, you know, all the rusty airplanes after COVID. And, you know, if he was on my course, I'd say, OK, how do you know that? Where do you know it from? What's your proof? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I would match it with the fact that, for example, Ryanair flew their aircraft all through COVID. They took them out. They flew them around empty for an hour every now and then to keep the pilots and the aircraft ready. But you see, the bar there's no there's no fun in that. No, uh, not you're not sharing the terror. Anyway, we, yeah, we yeah. do that. We 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 erode <laughs> the the myths to a, to a certain extent. We do answer a couple of questions because you know this one as well as I do. The big things that spook people are the bells and chimes. Mm. You could do an entire program on you know. Oh my God, what was that? You know. Uh, and we we go through the ch- the bells and the chimes and how they're used. We go through the noises, you know, r- noise reduction uh, after takeoff when the mm. engines suddenly throttle back. We we do all of those little bits and pieces about you know your inner ear, why it feels like that. In other words, we're we're explaining all of those uh, as we go through them. Yeah. Then, and this is the bit that works really well for us. We take people into a flight simulator, Boeing seven three seven eight hundred, 
and they do a takeoff, a landing, and a, a rejected takeoff. And then we usually do a low weather visibility approach down to down to zero. And the comments after that are fantastic because people will. And by the way, we have had door hangers and clinger, door clingers going into the thing because even though they know it's a box on the ground, it and it is the yeah. fact that they're having a reaction to something which has no logic to it, which is, you know, where we're going with that. Anyway, when, when they've done that, the reactions to that are fantastic. And they, people come back with all sorts of comments, like it's so calm and you know, you're not, you're not anxious. And I don't know what people think, you know, the, the crew are up the front going, Oh my God, Oh my God. You know, because it's windy. No, it's, it, it's all calm. We then go back upstairs to the classroom after yeah. we've had some lunch and we hit the psychology of anxiety really go into that in a great uh, level of detail. Mm-hmm. And I know you, I was listening to your podcast where you were talking about the, you know, the mind and what it does and, and, and how it can, in fact, in many cases, fool us mm-hmm. and, and causes, uh, if you like, in, in, I won't say irrational because I don't like the word, but inaccurate no. thinking. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, simple stuff like how far does an airplane drop in turbulence? Uh, and I'm sure you've come across our colleague in the United States, Tom Bunn, the author of SOAR, and, uh, you know, Tom has, has like yourself, I, I've had a, a relationship with Tom by email, doesn't like anybody else uh, with, with fear of flying programs, but he kind of he tolerates us, I think. But he has a very good video, um, which we've actually recreated of going over a country road at eight miles an hour and the extent to which you're bumping mm-hmm. around in it. Uh, and that, again, is, is, you know, back to the idea. It's not convincing people. It's letting them convince themselves once they have yes. the facts. Yes. Then we work on a plan. I used to do breathing exercises with people. I have a I have a feeling that if I'm sitting in level four turbulence and I'm banging around the place, I'm not going to start breathing in for four seconds, out for seven and pause for two. You know, I, I think I need a, a something maybe a little bit more robust on it. They do work. We you know at a very physiological level that a change of breathing yes. will will bring back coherence. But we we look at displacing the the lost trust with new facts and you know the couple of distraction exercises are quite good i you know people have used elastic bands and other programs Uh, we Mm. use a kind of a strange one which is we get people to do mental arithmetic Mm. and it is really fun we came across this Mm. oh 11 years ago um when we used to fly people at the end of our course as well and then we stopped doing it and uh you know, again, there was a person on, on our flight. It was, a, it was a, a revenue flight we were on who wasn't one of our people who was anxious. And uh, it ended In up a freebie one, course. Yeah. Like, no, from one of our participants, which was even <laughs> more fun. That we were sitting beside them and she was there, you know, giving him all the uh, all the words of reassurance. And when we got to to Sligo, where we were flying to, she said, Oh, she that was great. She said, I didn't even get a chance to uh, to be anxious. I was so busy looking after himself. And I thought, there's an idea. How do we keep people really busy yes. so that they can't ruminate on the fantasies? And uh, I remember saying to somebody once, I, OK, I want you to do the 13 times tables. And they went, oh, 13. I, I can't do the 10. And while they were doing the 13 times tables, I was telling them the scariest story I could concoct about an airplane in a storm. And at the end of it, they went, sorry, I didn't hear what you were saying. I went, right, we have it now. Yeah, Did a little yeah. bit of research into it. And Very funnily small. enough, the part of our brain that does mental arithmetic is so close to the amygdala, they can't actually work at the same time. Now, what doesn't work, Paul, I'm sure you know this, is reading. If you ask, you know, some, somebody tries to distract themselves, they just read the same sentence over and over again. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And cabin crew will often tell you they've often seen an anxious passenger because their book is upside down. So we know reading doesn't work, but we know numbers do. So that's that's very smart. Yeah. Well, you know what? Some of this best ideas come from discovery and Mm -hmm. it is our secret sauce, but now the whole world knows it, but I don't mind. But, you know, it is it is, again, put on top of the whole experience for people. Remember, I've already said this at the beginning. It's a trust building exercise. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and in terms of secret sauce, Many years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do the podcast because people I worked with would have said, you're giving away the shop, you know, and I'll say, no, well, actually, yeah, if the information's out there. All I'm doing is bringing together 
the correct information in a place mm. which hopefully people can trust because yeah. you can google everything we talk about absolutely yeah. but it's about whether that whether it's in the same place and you trust the source that's coming yeah. from yeah and and if people need more help then if we've got other things available but i think it's, it's about and that's why i wanted to get people on who run other programs to sure. say yeah. Come and promote it. There's plenty of people that need help. Yeah. It is not going to result. I mean, if anybody tomorrow decided to, to do that, then good luck. Off you go. But you know as well as I do, it's actually a massive part of and it comes back to this psychological safety. If we mm -hmm. don't make people, if we don't rebuild the contract, if you like, yes, with aviation, uh, then it's going to be a tough one. And, you know, off the record on a podcast between us, I honestly don't think the airlines have done an awful lot to help themselves recently. I, I think flying has become even more stressful than it needs to be. Yes. Uh, I did some flying last year, four hours ahead at the airport, you know, really unpleasant situations. I found myself in a departure hall with somebody screaming departure announcements at the top of their voice. You know, the, the crush to get on the aircraft, you're having to put your bag into a, mm -hmm. a, a, a sizer before you get on. Other people having their bags taken off them. By the time you get sitting in 29F, you're in bits. You're, you're not worth a damn. And that's for the non-anxious individual. Yeah, no, I, say, I totally agree. I think flying's dress-inducing yeah. for anybody. Yeah. We, we, we came back from Ibiza earlier this year, and we were 35 minutes standing in a jet walk. In, in the 31 degrees mm. heat, mm. you know, to go down the stairs, not even to go to go, go out the jet walk. And, and you think, oh, yeah, OK, do you know what? This is why a lot of people are anxious. And of course, post COVID, there is a, a completely additional anxiety that people have now of being away from home or not being able to get back or being in a confined space with other yes. people. Yes. Um, and then the masks, masks, etc. All of those things haven't helped. And it's a far cry, I suppose, from you know, the early days of aviation when there were 18 people on a Lockheed Constellation going across the Atlantic uh, for 18 and a half hours with somebody giving them champagne. You know, that's that's gone. And there, there's a phrase, I'm sure you've come across it. Um, I remember from my old days of, of flying in uh, upper class down to Cape Town is that there is there are no nervous people in business or first class. You know, your anxiety is well taken care of by by the process. But go down the back of the airplane and you'll find a few people are holding the airplane up by the armrest all the way across the North Atlantic. Yes. Yeah. The, the what did the crew call them? The duty warriors. Uh, you can go down the back and have and have your evening meal because uh, there's a person in 14F is holding the aircraft up and looking left and right across the North Atlantic, listening to the engines all the way. We've nothing to worry about. There's a duty warrior in there. See, my, my sense of humor getting me in trouble. I'll stop now. You're supposed to stop me if I get if I get. If no, I get no, well, I think I think with your accent, Michael, that you can probably get away with anything. <laughs> My <you>? accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your lovely Irish accent. You know, the, oh, there you all go. All our listeners, so we, we've got quite a few people from uh, all different parts of the world. They'd be going, "Oh, thank God that English Egypt's not on." We got that. I was in I Belfast an... actually a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months ago, and I had that whole. I was watching the airport, and I was and I was took pictures of what passengers do when they're told to do something because you oh, get, yeah, so that's a you get sort of into a herd mentality. And I was sat down because, just because the, the airport staff it was convenient for them and they're thinking like a process, I think we'll get people in here, but the, the aircraft wasn't ready. No. The, the aircraft no. was buggered off. And so there wasn't going to be yeah. one for two or three hours. They didn't quite know that, that. But I could see this is a creeper. So I sat on the outside, took some photos of people just queuing yeah, for yeah. an aircraft that's not there. And I was like, well, you, you probably it. know we, we tell people, you know, flight radar is a terrific app yes. because there's no point in being in the queue if your aircraft is still in, in, in Stansted, you know, and, and you can see that with with all the apps that are out there. And there's some terrific uh, apps. There's a new one as well called Turbuli.com. TURBLI.com and you can pop oh, in your right. departure and your destination and it'll p plot out the, the turbulence for you for the flight. Now, a lot How of people go, is it? Oh, it's extremely accurate. It's a, it's a really interesting guy. He's doing a PhD in liquid dynamics or thermo, some, some form of thing. He's well qualified in it anyway. Mm. Uh, we act in, actually interviewed him on our podcast. <laughs> but uh, you know, a promo, I know I know what it is, but uh, Squawk 7000. Now, it's not for people who are anxious about flying. It's for pilots. So, um, you know, it, that's why we were talking to him about turbulence, because 
you know, we're, we're not in the least bit concerned about the turbulence, but our, we know that some passengers are. I'll tell you a very quick funny story. Back in the old days, before Turbulate, there used to be an app called TurbulenceForecast.com. Uh, and you could print out a map of where the turbulence was. And I was in the simulator centre one day and one of the Aer Lingus Transatlantic crew came over to me and said, uh, what are you telling people on that course? And I went, why? What's wrong? It's just we were at the gate today. Oh, sorry, the other day. We were at the gate the other day. Uh, cockpit flight deck uh, door was open and this woman get it, was getting on. And as she walked past, she knocked on the door and she had a printout from the turbulenceforecast.com and said, guys, have you seen this? <laughs> so she I was mortified by the idea that this woman was checking that the crew had a, a weather briefing for their trip. The answer is yes, they had seen it. And no, they didn't worry about it at all. But yeah, you, you know, that's the extent to which you sometimes have to be very careful that people will overly inform themselves and they're checking the weather for three days beforehand when, you know, yeah. uh, this is not, not going to be a difference. I've just actually been talking about this this week. It's been a theme this week. I've been saying, I've said to people to wean themselves off it. You know, fine if you want to do it once, but really reduce it because yeah. what you're going to do anyway, you know, yeah. like, you know, what, what difference will it make when you get there? You know, it's, yeah, it's, I always say it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Has worrying ever saved you? And the, most people will say no. You know, I think uh, one of the best examples I saw of a fear of flying fix, um, which didn't net me a, a participant from a course, I was in about row four and there was a, a lady in row one sitting there watching the door as it was being closed. And she was watching and standing and she was about to stand up. Mm. And uh, one of the senior one of the senior cabin crew turned to her and in her best Dublin accent said, look, love, will you make up your mind? I have to go and collect my kids after this. And I thought, well, it's not great customer service, but it sorted a woman because she went, oh, sorry. And she sat down. And when you think about it, what that woman did with one sentence is normalize the whole process because she heard her say that after this flight, that cabin crew member was going to go to school and collect her kids at the end of, the, of their school day. And here was this woman who probably had fretted for weeks before her course, had made it the biggest event of her life, had probably offered devotions to high heaven to make sure that the airplane stayed in the air, checked every website she possibly could, had the history and serial number of construction number of the aircraft and the number of landings it had done. And the cabin crew member was thinking about getting home after this particular flight, which was a 50 minute flight to go and pick up her kids from school and bring them home for their tea. And, uh, and you know, if you if you think about what we're doing is we're normalizing it. Another lovely captain who retired after many years he was again said, oh, you're doing that course, aren't you? I said, yeah, he says, he says, I take business away from you all the time. He said, how is that? He said, my neighbors. I said, what happened? He said, well, he said, um, he's retired now. He said, one of his neighbors came across to him and said, look, Paddy, I've seen you go to work in the morning and come home from work in the evening. What have I to be worried about? Now, you know, as well as I do, oh, well, you know, there are people who did. But in this particular case, it's the normalizing of something that you know somebody else does once twice a year no i love that that's really good yeah tell us some more stories michael we love them <laughs> <laughs> so you so you you're part of your global takeover then oh so yeah you, right yes yeah, so you've taken over ireland mm -hmm. and now uk's next sites, no UK. no <laughs> no actually no would you believe i actually uh, didn't re, re I didn't renew the .co.uk version of our website the other day, right? And he's going to, oh, well, I'll take it now. But anyway, in this particular case, no, because it's it's nearly too close and, and you guys are over there anyway and you have it. Uh, so no, we're, we've, we've always had that idea. The rest of Europe has some good ones. I mean, there's some very high value ones in Germany and Switzerland, but we came across a situation recently and we've been invited to bring our course to Dubai, to the UAE. Nice. So we're heading down on the 13th of November and we'll be running our program there with Dynamic Advanced Training, who are a simulator centre provider. They do SCP training, safety and evacuation training for cabin crew, and they are making their facilities available to us for the program. And they're very excited about, oh, congratulations. about what we're doing. That's so amazing. look, I might as well. I mean, I can't I can't. <laughs> I can't imagine how much how many air miles I'm going to do up and down, but we're certainly going to do four in the time in the four in, in the in the next year while we're there. And the interest is already picked up. Mm. We, we launched on Monday and we got our first booking yesterday. Nice. So, 
you know, I, I think it's going to it's going to be a good one. And there's been nobody servicing that area for a long, long time. And no, there's a huge expat right. community there as well yeah, uh, of right. people. Uh, so we'll, we'll we, uh, so it'll be same sort of format, same sort of idea. Yeah, uh, it will. We'll have uh, we have space for more people because we're using a cabin simulator, not a flight deck simulator. Uh -huh. So we have a Boeing triple seven and an Airbus A three thirty with uh, twenty five, I think thirty seats in it, on full motion. Now we won't be using any of the emergency features on it, so we're not planning to, you know, let the smoke off, drop the oxygen masks, and fire everybody down the slides. It will be very much uh, the experience of a normal flight. But still Although, they do, you can do that. There was, I don't know if they still do it, but I know that Virgin used to do that. But I think he used to call it prepare for anything. And yeah. it was a half yeah. day where you could do all those things. Just scare uh, them. Yeah, no, to be fair, that would be that's something that's in the business plan. But for corporate flyers who are not anxious. So in other words, we we yeah. already have that. It's called we call it confidentpassenger.com. So the confidence passenger, confident passenger is for people who will fly as part of their work. I have to admit, if I was doing a lot of flying for my work, I would like to know how to open an, a door and I'd like to have gone down a slide. But not if I'm an anxious person. I, I think, you know, that we'll, we'll hold off on that one. But we do have another little exciting one. And, and again, this is, you're getting all the scoop. It's gonna, well, they're gonna hear it first here. We, we also have access to a Gulfstream 5 simulator. Oh, wow. And we are going to be doing a VIP version of it with four people on the mm. Gulfstream with the full service experience for the flight. So, Amazing. you know, and, and funny enough, I, I've done a little bit of work, uh, very, very quiet work. We can't sort of um, use uh, any of the examples, but with, you know, people from senior government people who might be flying on, on military aircraft or, you know, very senior people in multinational companies where they have to fly on their on their executive jet and are basically scared to do so. It's a very different relationship on a corporate aircraft, as I'm quite sure you know, yes. because you're you're there. There's your support network's a little bit smaller, and you you know your relationship with the crew, um, in many cases in corporate aircraft, they're they're well known to them, and, and just people are are quite sure uh, about what's involved in it. So that's the, you know that what that's a great idea. Often. Yeah, I think that's really good because I know that I've helped you know similar mm. people in the past and. And in particular, it's quite hard for somebody, you know, like a famous person mm. to then, because it's going to end up on social media. So they, yeah. they want to get it sorted without that happening to them. And they want yeah. to do it in a confidential, private way. Mm. It's funny, you know, we, we don't do, take any photographs at all of our participants. And we, we say you're more than welcome to and share them, which they do. But you must make sure that there's nobody in the picture that uh, you haven't asked their permission. Because we found that, our location is right next to a big Ikea. And what people who are coming on our course tell their friends and family is they're going to Ikea for the day. <laughs> so the last thing they want to do is suddenly find the picture all over Facebook yes. you know, um, in, in a flight simulator. And, and you know, it, it, it kind of does bring up the idea. Isn't it funny that there are socially acceptable anxieties and others that are not? Mm. You know, if you, if you shared with me that you were afraid of clowns, I, you know, I, I might find it hilarious. Or, or cotton wool or, or beards, you know, there's 325 registered phobias, apparently. But when you talk to people about fear of flying, the very first thing somebody will do is top their story. I know. Why do they do that? It's such a strange one. So if you say to somebody, oh, you know, I, I, I don't like flying. The oh, yeah, we were on a flight from Malaga. It was horrendous. I know. I know. You know, and it's like that's the socially acceptable, unacceptable bit that I've always been trying to fight against. And because, mm. you know, it, it's a it's a weird one. I don't know if you've ever done looked at the, the analytics from it, but the, the searches on Google for fear of flying are highest in Ireland and the UK for anywhere in the world. They're very, very small, by the way, in some countries where you know religious philosophy would be if it's God's will, it's God's will. But, you know, that there are that, yes. that's that's an that's an old idea and it's changing a little bit. The US, again, would have had a, a, a number of fear of flying programs, but they've all kind of dissipated from, from what mm -hmm. they were to the same extent. And I suppose what you're trying to do with them is you're trying to give people a nice workable option that doesn't turn it into a condition or a syndrome or, or, yes. or otherwise. I spoke at a conference recently for GPs, for doctors, 
And the feedback I got from them was they are now extremely reluctant to give medication yes. for fear of flying. And uh, what we discovered in a little bit of research that we did, and I'm, I'm dubbing in some of my participants here, but we discovered that 40% of our participants had borrowed medication, which is really lethal, you know, properly dangerous mm -hmm. if you've borrowed some Valium or you've borrowed some, uh, some anxiety medication. So we say to people, look, if you are going to take it, that's fine, but make sure it's a prescription from your doctor who's given you specific instructions on how to use it. Please don't borrow, you know, a Valium from granny. Uh, that's not going to not going to help at all. So that's been really interesting to see that that change away from it, because, you know, people are now a little bit more concerned that this is a fixable strategy that you can do as against medicating yourself into oblivion. And then, of course, being a danger to yourself and other people on an aircraft. That's the point, actually, just yeah. to sort of labor that one for a moment, as I say, that because quite a few people will say, I, 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 to be honest, I use a little Xanax, Xanax. Mm. Or, yep. you know, yep. equivalent. And I say, well, okay, we need to look to get rid of that. Because the thing is, when you fly, you want to be, you're in a situation where you need to take care of yourself like you would be if you're traveling anywhere. Yep. And you've just put yourself into a position now that you're, now others will need to look after you or you'll be zonked out. That's it. I, you know, they, and I don't know if you've come across the concept, you know, that one uh, drink on an aircraft is the same as three on the ground. Mm. And uh, so, again, you have people who have arrived at, at air, airports and they're not capable of driving. And we had a, one participant who I think she took six Valium all the way to Australia and she wasn't able to speak when she arrived and was detained by immigration until she was sober again you know, d d d uh, from, yes. from the narcotics uh, to be able to explain for herself. And, you know, th those are th that's we're kind of I know we've gone dark and heavy for a second, Paul, but it's the serious stuff around this is that, you know, while on the, the, the somebody being able to get themselves down to uh, to Malaga for their holiday is one thing. Somebody who's actually in a situation whereby they're incapacitated on a flight yes. because they've um, they've mismanaged the situation. That's always a worry. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, this I have this belief. I believe anybody can get rid of their fear of flying. Mm. It's just that not it, yeah. we're all at a different start point, and also it takes a different amount of time. Mm. And I've mm. got all the time in the world for people who will give it a go and keep doing stuff. I have mm. very little time for people who say to me, when I used to run the big, they used to say, does your course work? And mm. I'd say, well, what do you mean by that? Because it's not a magic button that I'm going to press. Yeah. You have to come along and do some stuff. Mm. So the course works, but you have to be but ready you... to receive where, yeah. where it's at. Yeah. Because if you're expecting it to come along and magically be better by the end of the oh. day and do nothing, mm. then nothing. We, we had pay. one participant who paid 2,000 euros for hypnosis in it didn't work you know yeah that that's because uh, at the same point you know you actually have to do a little bit of work mm. along with the process because it's your brain you know nobody else is in charge of it no and you know i always love the part where people disassociate and they go well you know i want to fly but my brain doesn't want to well, sorry you're the same person you're the same thing let's not get into schizophrenia here it's you you're making that decision and you know um uh, we, we have a, you talk about time, we, we do something, it sounds completely weird, and this will put people off setting up their own fear of flying program. But we allow, we give people six months of telephone support after they do the course, free. So I do on a Wednesday evening, I do online calls with people who are due to fly soon who've done the course. And um, what am I doing there? I'm in many cases, first of all, checking they've done their homework reconnecting with them we do a quick run through of their flight we show them what the, the flight they're taking tomorrow what it did today you know yeah. all of that process very few people take it up by the way but it, enough to to sort of to make it a, a a valuable thing for people but i got occasionally I'll, I'll hear through the grapevine that somebody didn't fly right and i'll immediately get back onto them and say well why didn't you call me and they go yes i was afraid you'd talk me into it and I go, no, if you don't want to, you're a grown up. That's your decision. But you have to live with the consequences of it. My job is not to leverage you onto an airplane and strap you in. I'm yes. not going to do that. But, you know, I don't know if you've ever done this, by the way. Just another quick story. I got a request from a, a record company. I'm going to change some of the details here, right? To, a, to accompany a celebrity on a flight so they could go and do a media appearance. 
And I said, sure, but that's going to be yeah. expensive. You're taking yeah, me for a nervous, whole yeah. day, yeah? Mm. So anyway, I said, okay, I'll do it. And just because I was, I wanted to go to the place they were going to anyway. And uh, so I docked up to the airport anyway. And this person looks at me and goes, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. This is ridiculous. I, you know. And so anyway, I, I chatted away through the process with them. But we got onto the airplane. The aircraft rotates, takes off. We're climbing away. And they turn to me and go, you can go and sit on the back now. I'm finished with you. And I thought, that's fair enough. And I had the most wonderful rest of my trip. I sat, I, I went for lunch when I got down there and I couldn't come back the same day. I stayed overnight and came back the next day. And the person was absolutely sorted. And I just thought, yeah, you know what? That, that was just a, a really good example of the fact that I had removed all of that person's excuse system. Um, yes. And they knew what I was able to do. And they just got rid of me down the back. And I was absolutely fine. I found myself another seat on an empty airplane and, uh, and and off I went. So we don't do that, but we do give people a chance to to reconnect. And, uh, you know, I again, that point I'm, that I think we both share is that we're not in the bullying business. No. You know, and it, really and truly, if you don't want to, you don't have to. Mm. But what's the conflict? Well, the conflict is you actually do want to. So that's where we can connect it in as well. No, I like that. That's a really, that's very impressive, the, the follow-up calls. I think that I like mm. that. Uh, we also allow people to come back and repeat the course for 50% of their original cost. We have usually one place per course for that. And the first thing that people say is when they find out there's a returnee on the course, oh, didn't it work? Oh, yeah. My favorite expression. <laughs> yeah, didn't it work? And of course, they will say, no, it did, of course. It's just that I, don't know, I haven't been on the course for eight years. I want to see what Michael has to say. Or, you know, there's something they missed the first time or they might be, you know, and, and I've, I've done this. Sometimes people will turn up in the morning and they're just not right for the day. No, they, they, that's right. And I will say to them at no cost, let's rebook you to another course and off you go. Again, you do that twice, three times a year, because if, you know, if a person arrives in a ball of sweat and a, and a bundle of anxiety, they're, they're not going to be uh, able to even concentrate and listen uh, as much as the fact they'll be distracting other people as well. I love the integrity of what you do, Michael. Ah, yeah. I knew yeah. I knew that when I first spoke to you all those years <laughs> ago. I just thought I trust this guy. I'm going to say anyone that comes from. So I used to get a lot of contacts from yeah. all over the place. Yeah. And um, occasionally they would say, you know, do you know anyone that rates in Ireland? And yeah. Send them your way. And I and I think my instincts were right. You're, you're well, thank you, but it, you're you a know, decent fellow. It comes around uh, because that, the karma is a you know, you know. Can you say bitch on a podcast? It's too late. It's, It'll bite you. Yeah, you can edit it. It'll bite you on the backside. And, and you know, eventually that's what happens. And, you know, I, I saw somebody recently on a course, you know, and charging cancellation fees and all that kind of. No, don't just look as it is. If you if you if you treat people really well, then mm. it comes it comes around again. And it's 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 quite a nice. I want it to be a nice experience. We love our participants. We have great fun with them. And, you know, whether it's you know, Robbie, who is our senior cabin crew member who, who is, assists on the course, has a terrific sense of humor. He does a, a really fun little piece about uh, how to handle turbulence uh, on a turboprop, you know, where you, you take your feet off the ground and your arms off the ground and you hover using your tummy muscles so that you're not planted into the seat. And people find that hilarious. They love that one. You know, it's funny, too, as the, the course develops, we used to, to go to do a kind of a funny version of the safety demo. And we just run out of time because we've other things that we do now. But mm. you know, there's all sorts of little things like that. I saw on your Facebook page, I think you shared the Qantas safety demo. At some yes, stage. possibly. I don't know. There's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of those, you know. And, yeah. and again, look, that's maybe the airlines going some way towards saying, yeah, look, we're, we're ordinary folk trying to do our best and yes. we're going to get you there as much as we can. Well, Michael, brilliant stuff I mean, i'm really impressed i'm so glad that we got to connect properly and, and also i'd like to be able to promote what you do so this is a great opportunity for that so how do they get hold of you just look for flyfearless.ie for ireland or flydubai.com flyfearless oh. dubai oh did i say fly dubai well there you go they're going to get extra business from us as well flyfearlessdubai.com uh, i'm tired it's been a long day but uh yeah and you know start googling and you'll see some of the stuff that we're doing we're about to to uh, launch uh, the irish program actually with a few more extra dates because we're getting a huge level of demand again uh, for it mm. and um you know, by the way, I should say to you that uh, one of the lovely little side effects we've had, we've had two people learn to fly as a result of our course. Don't know if you've ever had that. So they went on to do their private license 
And three of our assistants uh, since the course began are now commercial pilots. Oh, so, brilliant. you know, it's that kind of family uh, connection that we've yeah, had yeah. Uh, as we go along with it. Okay, well, I'm going to squeeze you for one last thing. Go on. What's your, what's your big your big top tip for anyone with a, who's scared of flying? What's your, if you had to say, right, there's one thing you must do or mustn't do, what would that be? <laughs> okay, here's my tip. You can tell this me is, sod off. And this, it, is, yeah. this is terrible. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> if everyone on the airplane is screaming, join in because something bad's happening. But they won't be. It'll just be you. So have a look around you and figure out why are you anxious and everyone else is fine. <laughs> that's the worst thing I've ever said out loud. I think, I think that's very wise. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, look, if everybody else is screaming, you know, something bad's happening and, you know, no amount of worrying is going to make a difference. But they won't be. That's the bit, you know, the, 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 there's a, a lovely story of when the cabin crew told me, you know, the, the, the flight across the Atlantic at nighttime, it leaves um, New York at around 11.35 at night, across the Atlantic to arrive in Ireland at five o'clock in the morning. You know, and what they do is they uh, aircraft takes off, they feed everybody, they turn the heat up and the lights down and everyone's asleep for the whole flight across the Atlantic, except for one light on, on row 25. And there's this person holding onto the aeroplane, listening left and right, exhausting themselves. What are they going to do? Like, what's their plan? If they, you know, are they, are they going to, you know, suddenly run up the front and knock at the door and say, guys, what's happening here? <laughs> you know, if you don't have that expertise, if you haven't got your commercial license with, you know, 25,000 hours experience, have a sleep with the rest of the punters and you'll be fine. Michael, awesome, mate. I'm banned now, am I? I'm never no, going to be no, on I again. Can't wait. <laughs> I, I love it. Love it. I can't wait to release this one. This is the, the people in the face. Facebook group, uh, I've got a good sense of humour. They're going to love this. Well, we're on also, Facebook as well, so we, we'll connect up and, and we can share some more stories. No, Thanks, Paul. Brilliant. I really enjoyed that. Thanks a million. That was brilliant.